This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial. Your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk. For Thursday, April the 11th, I'm your host, D.A. And we've wrapped up the NBA regular season. Now we know the NBA playoff seedings and schedule. But still, the biggest story in the league is a team that didn't make the NBA playoffs. That would, of course, be the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James. After the abrupt resignation by Magic Johnson, everybody scratching their head and wondering what is next for the Lakers and what is next for LeBron. And does LeBron have any regrets in ending up in Los Angeles one year later? Here's NBA insider Dave McMenamin, who joins Bull and Fox on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Dave, does LeBron have regrets about going to L.A. at all? Nah, that's, that's not how he works. I mean, mm. had he signed a one-year deal, I could totally see him having regrets. Okay. But he signed a four-year deal knowing that this is a process, and, and year one was absolutely from the start. This isn't revisionist history. This is conversations I had with both LeBron personally and others in his camp dating back to August and September. That year one was a feeling out process, uh, you know, an experiment. Now, I don't think they expected the experiment to blow up in the face where they have like soot on uh, on their face and, and fringed eyebrows like a, a cartoon, but it did. And so it can't be a regret because he knew he was going into this with four years. And so, you know, if year two and year three go awry, then perhaps regret seeps in. But, but year right. one, um, this is part of the process they anticipated. Last thing, Dave, uh, your best guess to the Warriors – Break up after this year? Is, is Durant gone? Is you know whoever? I don't know. It, are, are, do they get blown up to some degree this off season? I believe so. Um, but I'll say this: if they win a three peat, and yeah. I know uh, a lot of people have been saying, "Oh my gosh," you know, Kevin Durant opened up a business in Manhattan, and there's cap space for the Knicks, there's cap space for the Nets, et cetera, et cetera. Will he walk away from a three-peat and potentially, uh, you know, back-to-back-to-back finals MVPs? That's, that's, that's really easier said than done. And so there's going to be a gut-check moment if that happens, and I'm not convinced that he's already decided come April 10th or whatever it is that he's definitely leaving the Golden State Warriors. What's next for the Lakers here, right? They're probably going to hire a new coach. Uh, you know, who's the favorite? Is, is it Ty Lue? And can they put in a good enough a roster around LeBron for them to be much better next year? I'm not totally sure they're going to end up moving on from Luke. Okay, I, mean, I think this is a this is a big time reevaluation period. Uh, it really all depends on if they keep Rob Palenka and who they hire for their head of basketball operations. 
if they can go out and get perhaps the brightest young general manager out there with ties to Southern California, who is a basketball player at UCLA, and Bob Myers. Of course, Bob Myers has a great relationship with Luke because he was his coach in the interim basis when Steve Kerr was out with back injuries. And, you know, if somehow they can pull off that coup and pry the back-to-back championship winning general manager for the Golden State Warriors, well, then now you have a connection between ownership, front office, and coaching staff, which he's been lacking. At that point, I think you'd probably have to root out Rob Kalinkas, then he's the odd man out. And then you've got to find a, you know, another general manager or someone of that, that, that type to join into the mix. But uh, it's all about which card gets played first. And even beyond what LeBron has told people, I've got to imagine internally, even if he didn't want to give off the vibe of panic, he doesn't regret going to Los Angeles because he made the decision to go to the Lakers not based on basketball. It was based on entertainment, post-career businesses, his brand. And with that, if it doesn't matter what they do on the floor, wins, losses, then right now it doesn't matter who's the GM or who's the president. Yes, it was an ugly season in Los Angeles, but he went there for everything but the basketball. The NBA postseason begins this weekend and high expectations in Philadelphia for the 76ers. They end up as the three seed and they will open against the Brooklyn Nets, the six seed. But will they open against Brooklyn without their best player? Joel Embiid is a force to be reckoned with when healthy. But general manager Elton Brand is casting some doubt on whether he will be healthy. Is there cause for concern in Philly? Here's Joe DeCamera and John Ritchie on WIP Sports Radio in Philadelphia. So, yes, if it takes a terrible turn and it's much, much worse for game one, maybe they say, hey, you know what? He's going to uh, be more of a hindrance out there. He's not moving around the way we need him to move around. So, yes, that's probably the contingency that Elton Brand was thinking of when he said it's possible. When asked, wait, so it's possible he won't play? Yeah. I, let's this is this is getting blown out of proportion. I, I disagree with you on that. It's tendonitis. I, I strong understand. Totally I think disagree both you guys are talk- out of your minds. Oh my goodness! I, any injury with Joel Embiid in my mind is worrisome. He's a seven foot two guy who we didn't even know if he was ever going to play a game. We used to do shows on this show and said, just, "Will Joey Joel Embiid ever uh, play a game in the NBA?" Calm down, please. No, I won't calm Everyone, down because this is a big deal. And, 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 He's got tendonitis. No, but see, here's the other. He will play. Don't know. Yeah, how, yeah, we do know because he because he played through it. Wait, how, wait, how do we you know, know that, that he has it? We don't know for sure. I we mean, know the, that the, he this, played with this quote injury. We know, know what we've been told. Aggra- okay, so what? You're saying that they're just lying to us all the time because they were dishonest before? Was well, last time this I choose to, to believe that this is in line with what I've seen when I personally have had prepatellar tendonitis. I know that it's it drives you nuts. And that it hurts, but that you can play through it. And I know that it is in line with Joel Embiid has been playing through this at times. We can see that he's able to. We can see that he's not always moving around the way we'd hope. We can see that it it seems to warm up, you know, and get better as the game progresses. You know, like he gets more fluid as the game goes on. They're telling us it's tendonitis. 
to me. It looks like it's tendonitis. I believe they've treated it like it's tendonitis, which is you try to rest it, you warm it up before, you ice it down after, and you just keep your fingers crossed and pray. And they're hoping that it's better so that it doesn't bother him much, but it will bother him, and he's going to have to play through pain. And that's what they're dealing with, and we're blowing this up. Man, I don't like the sound of this. This is a guy with a major injury history. This is a guy that did not play in 14 of the final 24 games of the season. This was a guy that played a lot of basketball in the first half. I don't like anybody in the Sixers organization casting any doubt on the availability of Joel Embiid. That doesn't smell right. Perhaps the 76ers can get past a young, plucky Brooklyn Nets team even without a fully healthy, fully operational Embiid, but they won't go much further. He's got tendonitis. No, but see, here's the other thing. He will play. You don't know. Yeah, Yeah, we do know because he he played through it. How how do you know know that, that he has it? We don't know for sure. We know that he played with this, quote, injury. The end of the regular season means the end of two icons' careers because neither the Miami Heat nor the Dallas Mavericks made the playoffs. That, of course, is Dwayne Wade, who wrapped up with a triple-double at Barclays Center against the Brooklyn Nets, and also Dirk Nowitzki wrapping up in a swan song in front of the Dallas Mavericks faithful. So here is Ben and Skin in Dallas on 105.3 The Fan discussing waterworks in Dirk's final home game. I was pretty confident he was going to retire, but I was very surprised he announced it. But I almost took that as like a uh, a gift to all the fans in a lot of ways, right? Like it was just like, hey, y'all are all here. We're celebrating. And just the way he said it was like such a Dirk way to say those kinds of things. As you probably guessed by now, this is my last home game. It's just, it was just such a beautiful moment. I know you guys were all crying all over each other. I would imagine. Yeah, dude, the waterworks were flowing. Did you guys cry on the broadcast? Man, I never did. The only time that I uh, cried, or not cried, but like got choked up, was when he got choked up when Brad Townsend made him cry because Brad Townsend's such a jerk. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, he really wasn't being a jerk. He was just sharing. How great he's been with like helping uh, kids at hospitals. No, he was bragging. Uh, hey man, I'm going to make Dirk cry. Watch this. But uh, that was that was pretty incredible. That was probably the moment that got me. But um, it was like uh, I, I definitely got choked up a few times during that ceremony. Just the uh, the uh, the heaviness of it all. Not like uh, not like sad heaviness, but just like uh, I always make fun of the. Uh, funny line in uh, Spinal Tap when they're standing there looking at Elvis's grave and Nigel goes, too much bloody perspective. Uh, right. To, to like have those those five guys that Dirk all, you know, those, those were his heroes, they're busy guys and they have no attachment. I mean, Detlef has an attachment to this franchise, but not really. His only real attachment was, wait, did we draft him ahead of Carl Malone? So, um, so anyway, so those guys all drop what they're doing to come in, and it's like this thing where they respect and admire him as much as he respected and admired them growing up. So, like, I think the thing I would ask all the listeners is go back to when you're in your teens and go, hey, man, uh, when your greatest achievement is over, the five people that you worshipped when you were a teenager are all going to be there to tell you how much they love you. That's, that's incredible, dude. That's that is awesome. really, really incredible and mind-blowing. 
and uh, and how great and and also like uh, the reverence that those guys have for one another. The, one of my favorite moments was when Sean Kemp, who's dressed like Chris Tucker, they go they hand the mic to Larry Bird and they go Larry Bird, and Sean Kemp throws a number one in the air. Right, like Sean Kemp is excited to be standing next to Larry Bird honoring Dirk. And then, like, when you take all that in, you're going, oh, my God. And, and Ben, you know how much I admire Derek Harper. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing next to Harp, and as these moments are going down and the whole thing is going down, Harp's not, like, emotional, like, crying or anything, but he's just overwhelmed by all of it, too. And when they handed the mic to Larry Bird, Harp just goes, man, Larry Blanken legend. Like, he's in awe. Right, right. right. And, he, and he played against him. So it's just like that whole thing where, like, here's all these elite guys just all admiring Dirk. And I, that's just, I just can't imagine. And right. Dirk had so many funny lines about it, too, right? Yeah. Both Wade and Dirk have been amazing ambassadors for the sport. Just amazing people in general to dedicate their life to basketball, but also to causes off the floor, just generally being pretty decent human beings. But isn't it kind of perfectly Dirk that he has to share the spotlight of retiring with a guy that's more decorated than him? Now, Dirk is an NBA Finals champion. Dirk also is an NBA MVP. But Dwayne Wade got more attention over the course of his career, and he had to share the spotlight with Dwayne Wade as well as he walked away kind of perfect for a guy that had to share the spotlight with Kobe early in his career and then LeBron late in his career. Another day, another clip from the fan morning show in Pittsburgh. We should just have these guys host around the dial because there's always something going on in Pittsburgh. And now it's former Steelers running back Richard Mendenhall calling out Ben Roethlisberger on Twitter as being a racist. Oh, Nelly. Let's listen in to the guys in the Steel City. You could say a lot of things about Ben Roethlisberger. A lot of things about Ben Roethlisberger. He likes the spotlight. He likes people to look at his injuries and make him a conquering hero. You know what? I think that Richard Mendenhall, black man, should call a couple other black men. I think he should get on his phone, and I'll give him the numbers if he wants them, and call Marquise Pouncey, who is very much a black man, and call Ramon Foster, who, again, is very much a black man. And ask him about the cookouts that Ben has at his house. Ask him about the friendships that he's forged with those guys. Ask him about the trips that he's taken those guys on. Ask him about the gifts that he's bought for them. Ask Ben Roethlisberger about the lifelong relationships he's built with not just those two black men, but a lot of black men. If you call someone racist, you better sure as hell have some proof. Calling someone racist is the ugliest of ugly claims. You better have something real, real, real strong in terms of evidence or you look horrible in the situation Mm -hmm. and appear you're personally attempting to assail somebody and you, in effect, are the racist. That's big problematic for me. And you got to be real. When you start throwing out the term slave, you got to be. Now, it's been a while since I've read the confessions of Nat Turner, uh, but not to be glib about this, but you just can't throw that stuff out there and and. There's a level of responsibility that comes with it whenever you start throwing terms out there like that, Jim. A, a huge level of responsibility. Yeah, it's just, and you know, the obvious comeback is the guy's the highest paid receiver in the league, and he was, 
when he signed his deal until other guys passed well, him. And, you know, it's just it, that. Just it just you can't say stuff like it, that. It's, it's taking like, the continued work of abdicating Antonio Brown of any responsibility for his actions to the umpteenth degree and in the most evil direction, accusing somebody of being racist without anything to point in that direction. It's completely irresponsible. I think you have plenty of things that point in the polar opposite direction, not even neutral, um, the way that Ben has embraced black mm-hmm. teammates. And there's, if you play in the NFL, you're going to have a lot of black teammates. That's just the way that it is. Richard Mendenhall, people will say, ignore him. That's what's going to be said today. Sure. Oh, ignore him. Whenever you try to paint another man as a racist, though, I don't think you should be ignored. I think it should be investigated. It should be looked at. If it's found to be a hollow claim, people should come down on you. Yes. Because it's very ugly. And it's wrong. Just as I don't think enough was ever done whenever Brandon Phillips said that um, Jared Hughes Jared Hughes was yes. racist and used racial terms, and it just kind of went away. Got glossed over. When you paint someone to say things like that, act like that, or do that, if it ends up being a false claim, I think that people should hammer you for it. And if it's false in this regard, Richard Mendenhall shouldn't just be ignored. People should hammer this dude. Whether it's true or not, and I don't know how we would really truly figure out what is in Ben Roethlisberger's heart, what we're finding out is there's a lot of players who have resented perhaps the entitlement and the positioning of Ben Roethlisberger inside that organization. And we talked about this plenty of times earlier in the year, right here on Around the Dial, listening to Kevin Colbert, the general manager, saying that Ben Roethlisberger is the only adult amongst a locker room full of 53 other kids. That's just such a bad look and such a bad way to describe the dynamic inside your locker room. And so I think much of this, probably, whether it's Frustrations by Antonio Brown, frustrations about Le'Veon Bell, frustrations from Rashard Mendenhall. There's got to be frustrations just simply bubbling about from players that see Roethlisberger as untouchable. Is he racist? I don't know how we would ever know that. And the guys on the Fan Morning Show bring up a good point that there's people of color, players of color, teammates of color that are best friends with Ben Roethlisberger. Rashard Mendenhall, black man, should call a couple other black men. I think he should get on his phone and call Marquise Pouncey, who is very much a black man, and call Ramon Foster, who, again, is very much a black man, and ask him about the cookouts that Ben has at his house. Ask him about the friendships that he's forged with those guys. Ask him about the gifts that he's bought for them. Ask Ben Roethlisberger about the lifelong relationships he's built with not just those two black men, but a lot of black men. The simple fact is there's enough people around the organization that have played for the Steelers that resent whatever Roethlisberger represents. The NFL draft is just two weeks away, and everybody always focuses on one position, the quarterback. And there's probably going to be a quarterback taking number one overall, that, of course, being Oklahoma's Kyler Murray. There are some that really love Ohio State's Dwayne Haskins as well. And so does this quarterback class have star power? Because we've heard that it's pretty shallow. Here's Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network on Sports Radio 610 in Houston and the Triple Threat. Whether it's the Giants, the Redskins, the Dolphins, even the Raiders or the Cardinals, at least a handful of teams are being mentioned as being motivated by this quarterback class. Would you be if you were them? You know, I don't I don't think it's a great group. Uh, Kyler Murray is unique uh, just because I mean, he is, he is uh, very, very talented, and I think you're going to have to kind of commit to doing some things. 
uh, that he's comfortable with. Uh, but you've got Arizona picking there that seems like the perfect match for him with uh, with an offense he's been on his whole life. Um, so I, I think he's got a chance to be successful there with them. And then after that, I, I think there's good players, but there there's holes in all of them. When you've got you know Haskins and Murray, one year guys, uh, Daniel Jones didn't have anything around him at Duke. The numbers aren't great, uh, a little inconsistent at the Senior Bowl, but uh, you know great makeup, all that. Uh, Drew Locke has got a huge arm, but he's his footwork can kind of be a little bit all over the place. Um, so I like last year's group better, um, but I do think as we see it every year, I think we're going to have four go. I wouldn't be surprised if we have four go in the top 15. Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, at Move the Sticks on Twitter, joining us here on Sports Radio 610. Just sticking with the quarterbacks for a second, and you mentioned Kyler Murray. I think everybody thinks he's going to go number one. If this winds up being some sort of elaborate smoke screen for the Cardinals and he doesn't go number one, where do you see Kyler Murray going? I would guess uh, four would be the landing spot there with the Raiders. I think that that would be too uh, enticing for, for Gruden to pass up. Uh, if it wasn't the Raiders, I think you would see either the Dolphins or the Redskins try and move uh, to try and go get him. Uh, it, it, would, it would make some sense there. I was told the, the Dolphins were more than likely going to wait till next year to address the quarterback position, but that they really like Murray. Uh, but they were under the assumption he would never be within range. So if somehow he didn't go one, I would imagine you'd see one of those two teams, the, the Redskins uh, or the Dolphins, try and get up there around the Raiders to, to make that happen. What do you think the cornerback the cornerback market specifically is going to look like at number 23? Well, I think you're going to see – I was just talking to a team picking in the 20s last night, and uh, we were kind of going through it. I, I think you're going to see the run on corners take place there in the, at the end of the first round. I mean, really the last 10 to 12 picks, um, you're going to see a bunch of these corners go flying off the board. All those teams down there need corners. I don't think there's a corner that's worth the top 10 pick in this draft. I think they're all kind of valued in that area. So when you've got the kind of the need and the value married up, I think we're going to see not even corners, you're going to see safeties, just secondary overall uh, from 20 to 32, you're going to see them all fly off the board. Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, joining us on the Triple Threat here on Sports Radio 610. Texans at 23, and I want to stick with the cornerback topic here, Daniel. DeAndre Baker's a name that gets thrown around in the first round. Obviously, Greedy Williams from LSU. A couple other guys, uh, Lane from Michigan State. Is there a specific type of cornerback that you think fits best with what Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien are looking for? Well, you know, they're always going to covet size. When you can trace any of your roots back to Bill Parcells, uh, you know that uh, that size is something that they covet. So that's why I know, uh, to me, the tape is a little bit up and down and a little bit frustrating to watch in terms of some of the the stuff against the run especially. But uh, Greedy Williams would make a lot of sense there. I mean, that's kind of the prototypical uh, corner that you would look for in terms of the the height, weight, speed, and uh, some raw ability needs to be be cleaned up a little bit with some of the stuff. But uh, you've got a a lot to work with there from a fit standpoint. That one makes a lot of sense. It's a big-time risk to draft Kyler Murray number one overall. Let's face it. It really is. It's a big-time risk because not only is he short in stature, but he's also coming from a spread offense that doesn't have a lot of familiarity in NFL circles. There are some spread concepts, but not full offenses. Maybe Cliff Kingsbury can do this, but maybe not. I think this is going to be end up being a very bad NFL quarterback draft class when all is said and done. Maybe one guy makes it, but I don't think many will. And finally, it's Masters Week as things open up in Augusta. 
And let's listen in to a guy that's covered golf for a long time. Jimmy Roberts joins 97.3 The Fan in San Diego. And Dan Cilio, can Rory McIlroy win this year's Masters? His last major win was now five years ago in 2014. Uh, he's playing pretty well. I mean, he's had he's played eight events on tour this year. He's had he's sixth or better six times, including a win at the Players. You know, he hits it a mile. I think what we, you know, we talked to Rory. We all got together and talked to Rory yesterday at his press conference. The thing that strikes me most about him is where he is in terms of his approach to the game and to life. He's into meditation. He's, you know, he's very thoughtful. And I think he's in a really, really good mind space right now. Um, you know, he's fun to watch. Of course, all he needs to do is win this tournament one year, and he wins the career Grand Slam, and there are only a handful of people who have ever done that. So, I mean, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. He's playing with Ricky Fowler and Cameron. Is it Cameron Smith tomorrow? Let's see. Um, yeah, he's playing with Ricky Fowler tomorrow, and that should be a lot of fun. I think Fowler is a guy, you know, he finished second last year. But I think he's a guy to watch here. Um, I think uh, McElroy, Fowler, I think Woods, if he can kind of sort out his putting, I don't think there'd be any reason why Dustin Johnson wouldn't be somebody to look at, and Justin Rose. A lot of good names on that list, but obviously when Roberts mentions the name Woods, that's what everybody wants to talk about. Can Tiger finally put that win in a major back in his back pocket for the first time in a long time. All eyes will be on Tiger and Augusta this weekend as the Masters is in full swing. That'll do it for the best of your sports talk for Thursday, April the 11th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 